Teachers are so important. Like, they actually are. Care about it and, like, actually try. I believe it is a beautiful piece of art. Welcome along to See Me After Class for 2020. This is a podcast that emanates from a beautiful school in the southern Alps of New Zealand. Now, let's meet the team. And here is Cathy, a parent who aspires to make connections in a community to build a successful future. This is Chris, who aspires to be an agitator who tests the boundaries just to see how the system reacts. And this is Anna, a silent observer who's a go-between between the students and the teachers in a classroom. This is Renee, who aspires to forge a progressive and creative path. And together, we are See Me After Class. Welcome along, everybody, to See Me After Class. We've got Renee and Kathy and me, Chris, here, and this is episode 44 and week 9 of Term 1. And what a week it's been. Hasn't it just been something uh, out of a novel, one might say? Yeah, that's true. I mean, that, that actually, given the, the circumstances with us all now currently in lockdown, we've all got quite an interesting perspective to take on this. But I'd, I'd, I'd start by picking up on that cue of yours, Renee. There's so much that resonates with the texts that we're teaching. I'd be, especially for you right now, Chris, obviously your level three class, correct me if I'm wrong, is reading 1984. Right now, that's what we're reading. Oh, and man, you must be having some interesting conversations with them via video link at the moment. Yeah, very interesting. Via their telly screens, so <laughs> to speak. Um, Kathy, you're in the thick of it because you work in the midst of our community and obviously you've been working towards this outcome for quite some time now. You've seen it coming when everybody else was being so blasé. How are you feeling? <laughs> I'm feeling healthy first of all that's you know it's important we all check in on each other's health um both physical and mental i'd say physically i'm fine mentally i'm a little tired um Mm. i yeah so i am involved with the community response is the best generic way to say it through my role my day job um, which in addition to being a parent is to work in community development here in our lovely part of the world and so there is currently a team that is pulled together, led by council, but involving partners throughout the community, because this is one of those things where we all have to come together to make something happen. Um, and largely following the community response plans that are always in place in the background, but don't get activated until we have a crisis like this. So it might be helpful to know. So there's a, a district-wide level here that is um, in operation and then there's a slightly more local um, level team and so I dial into to calls lots of calls at the moment and a lot of the work in the last week and a half has been setting up systems to manage the um, influx of queries and uh, you know questions and requests for assistance that are coming in so I'm working in that welfare space And it's divvied up into different categories like logistics and operations and intelligence and uh, welfare and communication. So everybody has their own little area to look after. And I'm involved in the welfare one. And then we come together and we exchange information and we talk about what we have done and what we need to do and what we need to 
elevate and um, yeah I think the good news is the systems that have been set up are just now getting uh, working and working well so things like coordinating volunteers um, and matching up requests for assistance with offers of help because at times like this communities all across this um, country and indeed around the world have a lot to offer in terms of um, connection we just can't always do it the way we would normally face to face so lots of challenges and, and lots of things to think about but um, it's a little it's a little mind-boggling what all has to be looked after at a time like this in a community and I am just one little piece of the whole puzzle but it does take um, a lot of time and an effort to contribute to that so that's been my world um, really a series of phone calls I tend to have four or five a day that are meetings they're virtual meetings and then kind of actions and emails and phone calls all around that to get stuff done so that's me my poor family's largely ignored but I do have some perspectives from my kids that I can share a little bit later oh it'll be I'd love to hear about how things look from the kids' point of view, because while we're working with them, it's very much a kind of, we're separate. We're sort of delivering to them much more than we might, or the sort of not a, not a lot of that informal chat that would follow. So he hearing the other side of what's happening from school is going to be interesting as well. But to pick up on that that work you're doing yourself at the moment, I was, I was been reflecting in relation to the kids, but I'm, I suspect this must apply to the community at large that times like this, the disparities between people probably are exaggerated. People with a lot of resources and security, that's going to really uh, support them at the moment. And I imagine there are some people sort of withdrawing into some quite positive, quiet spaces in isolation. And whereas people who are vulnerable and who lack resources, this is just going to exaggerate that, I, can, I imagine. Yes, although I think some of this we're only going to be seeing over time. Um, you know, we're, we're in what's being called the response mode right now, which is the short term meeting people's immediate needs. Right. And a lot of those are our health needs in the kind of the health sector. Um, right. And their financial needs, there might be food needs. And then there's a recovery phase that's going to be more the long term economic effects and the impact that has on people. Um, so I think to a certain extent, Chris, you're right, yes. but I think we'll see that more over time. You know, some people have the ability to um, be more prepared than others because not everybody can spend, um, gosh, you know, people going out and spending a week's pay on, on groceries. Not everybody can do that. So, yes, you're right. I think the disparities certainly do become more apparent and we just become aware of how close to survival level a lot of people live. Mm. And because you're working in the welfare area, I imagine that's your remit at the moment. Yeah, my, my, I'm certainly not an expert in this space because community development is can be quite a different sort of set of projects and work. But um, at the moment, it's all hands on deck focusing on that sort of um, survival level uh, of need. And again, just getting organized and prepared for it over time. Um, so, so yeah, it's just being really close to um, all the people who are experts. And we're so fortunate because we do have an amazing number of um, social workers and counselors um, who will be available remotely. And everyone makes themselves available. This is it. I mean, the entity that I work for is open just behind closed doors and on the phone. Um, mm. So there are a lot of resources accessible, but people need to know how to access them. And that's part, part of the job as well. It's getting that information out there. This 
this new virtual world that we seem to be living in at the moment is interesting in terms of what you've just said there. People don't really know how to engage with um, some of the resources and services that they have had access to before via this new virtual platform, not being able to go in and drop in and or phone and make an appointment to come down. It's going to be a bit of an interesting one to try and navigate for some people. Yeah, particularly our vulnerable population, and we do spend a lot of time th- talking about on our calls that are you know, in quotes, vulnerable population, and that might be older people who may or may not have access to, you know, the internet even. Um, how do we make sure information is reaching them? Who is making sure we're reaching out to them? Um, and when I say we, it's that collective effort of using the volunteer time that's been offered. There are some things that, um, you know, your lay person can do who's volunteering and some things you might need an expert to do, but there's there is plenty of uh, plenty of offers at the moment, uh, which is great. Um, but yeah, the vulnerable people, identifying them and making sure we're reaching out to them and not just waiting to hear is part of the process. I know that I've all my life been a radio person, and I think uh, Kathy, you echo that a little bit. But I've found you know live radio broadcasts to be particularly useful in recent times. Yes, well, you know, in fact, I even was making a suggestion to the to the comms team about, well, do you think we should have a radio hour that's just for the older people who may not be getting any other information? And we should read out the alerts and the, and the media releases that come out that I'm getting bombarded with on, on my you know laptop. Um, some of these folks may not be seeing. So, you know, it is about I think radio has a really valuable place in all of this. And they are, you know, our local radio station is hugely community minded and very supportive. And so they will share any information that needs to be and that is being used. Could we be doing some programming that's specific to this crisis that um, to take the place of a lot of things that won't be happening? Maybe we should think about that, Renee. We can <laughs> do a little educational program for students that don't have internet access. Yeah, actually, I had one pop up yesterday. They emailed me, and I'm assuming they emailed me via some data or something on their phone because they said to me, I'm sorry, Miss Plunkett, I haven't been coming into your video chat classes because I have no internet at home. So there are, you know, there are definitely not just um, our, our older population out there with, with a lack of access to some of um, these platforms that we've been using, but also some of our kids, Chris. So tell us, Renee, how are you teaching at the moment? <laughs> well... It's been a change, but it's been something that I've found to be quite novel at the moment, quite enjoyable as well. Um, This week I meet with all of my classes um, via our Google Hangout, so we were all in a video chat together, and I talked them through sort of what, um, well first of all we said hi to each other and showed off our workspaces and how do we catch up, Um, and then I talked them through what it was that I'd set up for them this week and uh, highlighted to them things that, new things that were on our website, and I've actually been um, making little video Uh, lessons or video tutorials for my students that talk them through how to approach a task and possibly give some little um, pointers that I would give to them if I was in class with them Um, and so I've done done it a little bit via yeah via vlogging this week which has been very interesting Um, and then yesterday I spent a whole day sitting here um, conferencing with individual or small groups of students as they popped online during our usual class hour and then also commenting on kids blogs um, which I kind of enjoyed but man at the end of the day I was knackered. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I've mainly just been running lessons as I always would, which is so typical of me. I'm such a continuity person. So there's been not much chat about their rooms or workspaces or <laughs> very few hellos. Mostly, let's get going. Here's Macbeth. You're reading this part. You're reading this part. <laughs> but I do, I, I think my uh, perspective on this is that sometimes it's really great to have things that do just carry on and um, that that can be quite reassuring. I, I guess I'm like that because in my life I like things just to carry on my routines are pretty important to me and I was also thinking about how for a lot of the kids who might feel a little isolated and don't necessarily have strong social networks around them that being able to come to a class and interact with their peers in a moderated way via the teacher could actually be quite important from a social point of view as well even though it's not socializing in that kind of casual sense so I've been doing essentially um, my usual teaching on my usual time table and I've been really impressed with a couple of things one is the students are all showing up which is pretty awesome or you know I'm getting similar numbers in the classes we were getting in class so that's pretty great and um, the other aspect is that they're doing all the work so I'm assigning tasks and little activities to do in between lessons and clearly they've got time in their lives because I come back and all the blogs are full of updates with all of the work that I've asked them to do and so the next lesson's really quite vibrant in response to that because literally I can just call upon students to read what they've written and we critique what they've been doing and there's no gaps they're all, they've all got it done it's been um, quite gratifying if I'm honest I actually I uh, it's funny you say this because I know we talked about how um <clears throat> different students will have different circumstances and have different levels of work output but I've found on the whole I think my students are working through things more productively or faster or um, something something more than maybe they sometimes do in class it seems that they've just kind of powered through everything that I've set up for them which has been really nice. I guess um, as long as it's a healthy thing, I think it might be the case that they're um, also responding quite well to the the re-establishment of the standard pattern of school and that that part of their life can carry on. I feel like you know you and I as teachers are really privileged in this moment to have secure jobs and I definitely think from an ethical point of view that one of the most important things we can do is continue to provide the service. Like it's a really important part of um, me, my expression of my gratitude for the position I am in is that I can now do the job well and hopefully provide something to students that's not so much focused necessarily on you know academic achievement but on the continuity of education in their lives because that's something that can be continued, can be sustained. Yeah, absolutely. I know there's a lot of people out there um, who are facing a lot of uncertainty. So I do, I agree with you wholeheartedly. We're in a very privileged position right now as teachers, and um, yeah, we've got a we've got a duty to carry on. Now, I was looking at uh, some of our colleagues have children, and of course, the challenge for them of trying to maintain teaching programs at the same time as keeping their children in a in a, a healthy and occupied space in their own houses is really difficult for them. And neither you and I are in that position, so we've got the the the, the ability to just s s shut a door on a room and sit there for six or seven hours and just do teaching. Um, so so that's another thing. But I've also I was thinking about that children side of it. Like now, a lot of families 
are at home with their teenage children. And actually, I hope that they're knowing that there's going to be these English lessons popping up on the schedule every day that's going to occupy and um, provide their children with something really constructive to be doing. Hopefully, that's somewhat valuable to the family as well, that they, they can kind of know that the, their son or daughter is doing something worthwhile for at least that hour each day. Yes. So that would be my cue to pipe in and say uh, thank you so much because it we have even these early days. You know we don't have a huge rhythm established yet, but I do have um, all the calls that anybody has to make are going up on a calendar so that we can keep track. Because there are five of us, and yesterday all five of us had calls or class to make at, at various times. I think at one point there were three of us at the exact same time. And so literally you've got to find a place in the house that you can have a little bit of peace and quiet to conduct your call or attend your class. Um, Wi-Fi is an issue, you know, the, the bandwidth and, and the effect that has on the quality. So, um, yeah, there's a wee bit of logistical stuff, but it is really, really good. My observation of my kids participating in their classes is that it perks them up. Um, just seeing the teachers and seeing their friends is a huge boost to mental health, I think, and will continue to be. Um, not only does it provide some routine in their lives, but just connecting with their friends. I think that is probably the biggest thing for every kid I'm aware of or parent I've talked to is just missing that ability to connect with their friends, um, which I don't find they're doing so much virtually on their own so doing it in class is the only way my kids so far have connected with their friends oh actually no that's not true one female teenager in the house is actually very connected with hers sorry the other two not so much i think kathy a lot of the time um because they spend so much time with their classes, that is the way that they naturally connect with their mm. peers, you know. And so, if we can offer them a way to continue that going and and keep it um, keep it rolling for them, then hey, that's that's all positive. Yeah, I did ask my own uh, kids. So I have a data set of three of what they're observing so far. Do you want to hear? Yes, yeah. please. So. Um, I just kind of said to them, look, what are your observations of, of what you're seeing among your, um, well, just these first few days? Um, how do you think people are feeling? Stuff, you know, finding yourself, etc." And so <laughs> boring was the headline from, from two of them. Um, not seeing friends. It's a bit weird. Um, Trump is an idiot was the observation of one of my children. <laughs> um, and that's a reflection of the fact that we do have uh, have had the TV on <clears throat> um, a bit. We do, we're limiting that as well. But there is a lot of interest in what's happening around the world um, from some, again, some kids more than others. Um, the One of my kids had a class where they all checked in and they all had to go around and talk about the positives so far of the lockdown. And some of that was sleeping in, flexibility, uh, eating nuts because they're at a, at a nut-free primary school. Um, <laughs> and interestingly, getting more schoolwork done. So this is a primary perspective. And, and some of the kids in that class were saying having the flexibility enables them to do more schoolwork than they felt they got done um, in class. So that's really interesting. That echoes what uh, Renee and I are experiencing at secondary, essentially that the students are all just doing more work. Yeah, for sure. I wouldn't say mine are doing that, <laughs> not yet anyway, but, mm. um, but it was just an interesting observation from, yes, another 
peer. And then I guess the other thing that I do, because this was really bothering me probably about a week ago, is I was very aware of the fact that young people were not taking the health warning seriously. Um, before we got into lockdown, I was seeing so much and aware of a lot of gatherings and social interaction that now is just forbidden. Um, and I could see the wisdom of applying those rules early. And so in discussing that with my teenagers, um, there's certainly a sense that people weren't taking it seriously at first in that peer set, that the younger people didn't think it was affecting them. And they weren't taking into account this idea that they could be a danger to other people. And then what we've seen around the world is that the young people were, are indeed the super spreaders because they often they can be carrying it without any, in fact, any symptoms yet pass it on. So, look, I think over time, these next few weeks and the people are taking it more seriously now, according to my teenage sources, um, and that they, they're aware of the rules and they are following them. But I do think that's something to watch over time, because as this lockdown continues here in New Zealand, um, you know, people are naturally going to want to get a bit itchy and want to try to get around the rules. And that's what we have to watch out for. It'll be interesting to see if we can play a role in sort of reinforcing that. Yeah, I think you guys have a role in that over time, you know, the teachers particularly. So two weeks from now when you reconnect in classes, because you've got a two-week official school holiday break now, don't you? Um, that would yeah. I would really strongly suggest to you that two weeks from now, that's a, a headline that needs to keep being reinforced to, to the young people. Mm. Well, to all of us of all ages, but you'll have access to the young people. Mm. And we, I guess we have a kind of a, a mode of authority with them. I was... Um, I know that Renee and I are also going to be providing some sort of teaching and, and learning materials over the next couple of weeks. I, I've got a, a couple of classes who are reading at the moment our class texts, and um, some of them really aren't in a position to completely read a novel independently. So I've got drop-in sessions where we're going to spend a, an hour every day or so where I just read to them and we discuss what we're reading. So we're going to have these little kind of like reading pods from time to time over the holidays to try and get those students going with or, or sort of jog them along with their reading. Have you got any thoughts over what you're going to be offering the students over the holidays, Renee? Yeah, I put together um, a blog post for my kids yesterday, and, and reading is top of the list. Um, my level two classes obviously have wide reading long assessment that they can work on, and I encourage them to use this additional time that they will find themselves with to work on that. But I also um, pointed out some of the texts that I've really enjoyed reading over the last wee while and nudged them towards giving that a go. But I also set them a little video challenge that they could um, post their blogs and um, just sort of reminded them that there is, you know, work there that they can finish off from the term if they didn't get the chance to, and and just guided them through, hey, there are some things that you can do to support your English learning, and here they are. So that's all outlined for my kids on their website. Right. No, I, I probably don't. Again, it's this, you can see that my teaching is definitely all high control. I feel like I have to be there. <laughs> with them if they're going to read <laughs> but I, I do have a fantasy that with all this additional time that they'll suddenly start turning to the books and um, rediscovering that joy of getting lost in a novel I hope so I wonder if if like I had I'd like I'd finished all my class reading um, of our novels. Actually, last Friday was our final day where we finished off King Lear in my level three class. And I do wonder if I would be um, 
in the same sort of uh, mindset as you with the reading and the and the guiding them through the reading side of things if we were still reading our texts but we've actually mm. hit this this section of work um, quite naturally where they do need to start putting together their own analysis and their own ideas for the text and so this is kind of just been where I've continued to follow with yeah. my teaching nice sounds great mm. Mm. Hey, and I'm just curious before we do leave each other, um, ha- just a personal check-in from each of you. How, how do you feel? I mean, you've, you've had a lot on. You can finally take a breath, perhaps, on this your first day off, so to speak. And and how are you coping yourself so far in the first few days? Well, Renee and I have both got quite parallel stories because <laughs> when all of this came about, both of our partners were overseas. In my case, yeah. my partner Ivan was in Italy, which of, of all the places in the world is probably the worst place for him to have been. He was there for um, personal reasons. He had a, his, a member of his family had died and he was there to sort of conclude their affairs. And he... Um, went through what really could only be described as a dystopian odyssey on his return to New Zealand. And there were many late nights and a lot of anxiety about whether he'd actually make it here. So I feel incredible gratitude towards the various people along the way who made it possible for him to return. And of course, on his return, I scooped him up from the airport and we've been in total isolation since then. And so we had a bit of a head start on that by a few days from the rest of the country. And it was quite interesting to sit back and watch as everybody else sort of ended up in a very similar place to where we were already mm, I am um, I have a I'm so pleased I, I have to say this to everybody I'm so pleased that he's home because I know it's been an absolute journey for you too Chris yeah um, oh it was a bit tough <laughs> yeah it just yeah it was so so pleased for you but also got to selfishly say I'm pleased for myself because my husband um he works in Papua New Guinea uh, for a, a month um every other month and he um got stranded over there um during all of this for a little while it was pretty uns- we were pretty uncertain if he was going to make it home but he did manage to get on a flight out of there and he got home on Tuesday night where like you I scooped him up from the airport and we've been in isolation since then so so, um, yeah, what a what a week it's been. Mm. And Kathy, you were saying you've hardly seen your family. Yeah, just simply because I've been working, um, uh, been working, you know, kind of unexpectedly too. I didn't really, didn't quite realize I'd be just onto this quite in the way I have been. But that's okay as long as I can be useful. I'm there, and um, I do. I do have a few days coming off, coming up that I have off because they are being really good about rostering people on and off. Um, unfortunately, I have another commitment that I have to meet um, that I'll be in an all day fo- all day phone call on on Monday, but um, but I will I will be carving out time and I'm really looking forward to because I have been tracking too a lot of my American friends who are a few weeks ahead in terms in some states in lockdown, and it's been really interesting to observe the sort of um, holiday feel to things to start with, which is of course changing as the so, the severity of this becomes more clear to Americans. But um, really interesting to see the family time in in a lot of those family units. And I was kind of looking forward to that. And I still think we'll get it. I do think we'll be getting back to basics. So we have a lot of things on the list that we'd like to do. It'll be, but also, you know, Nathan Macari Wallace has got a great um, series of posts out there at the moment about releasing structure in family units and not thinking that you're going to get a whole long list of things done, but rather just to kind of go with the flow and 
make sure mm. you play and make sure you have fun and um, well worth a look uh, to our listeners. Um, yeah, so I think it's about finding the right rhythm for your own unit, your own bubble, as Jacinda likes to say. I love that terminology. Like, who's living in your bubble? How are you looking after your bubble? Um, I've actually, yeah, I've, yeah, I've really enjoyed some of the messages that have come through the New Zealand government. They've managed mm -hmm. to keep a little bit of lightheartedness at times. I also like the um, admonitions against mooching, which is you know the people, which is a great a great idiom from New Zealand, which is a term that describes kind of messing about without aim, aimlessly. Uh, spending time in locations where you shouldn't, and so it's 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 been a it's great because it's it it takes it seriously in that it's sending the correct message, but it also recognizes the humanity in it all. Yeah. Well, look, I think it's this is going to be the topic for us for a while, isn't it? So it would be interesting to hear from listeners what sort of things um, either they're seeing or experiencing, or what they would like to hear us talk about. I'm sure you guys as educators have lots of tips you could be sharing with teaching colleagues through this podcast. I don't know. What do you what do you think? Yeah, I think we'll, we'll definitely go forward, I think, relate our experiences and then see if we can pick out some really great solutions or actions that we're seeing people take that uh, we could share with others so that we can, you know, make it all good for as much as of, of us as we can. And also, of course, this episode replaces the episode we were going to do, which was the third in the series on bullying, where we were wanting to discuss the kind of solutions and, and, and ways of resolving bullying issues in schools. And we decided that that was really not the right thing for the tone of the moment, but we will definitely do that episode in, uh, at a future date and make sure we do it well. Sounds good. The final thing to say here today is stick to your bubble, folks, and we'll um, we'll catch up in a couple of couple of weeks. Yes, I'm going to go back to cleaning the coffee machine now. <laughs> oh, brilliant! I'm I'm vacuuming this morning. That's my morning task. Oh, fantastic! House cleaning seems to be the activity du jour. <laughs> and I feel like everyone's homes are going to be a lot maybe tidier and spotless than they have yeah. been but then at the same time we're spending a lot more time in them so maybe that won't yeah, last we'll that's see right. and and kathy i wish you well for your final release from all of these commitments that you're currently exposed to mm. and hopefully you get a bit of rest and a bit of time with your family yes yeah no it's all good all right guys take care be kind be strong be home yes you too stay safe righto bye see you bye this was an episode of See Me After Class with Renee and Chris. My Twitter handle is at edutronic underscore net. And mine is at Renee Plunkett too. See you next week. <laughs>